0: cheers Cheers.
1: welcome welcome to to let's have
0: have a kiki kiki with movie bitches
1: i feel like i said kiki kiki did i say kiki kiki Welcome to Let's Have a Kiki!
0: You might have, but we're keeping it at this point. (laughs) Sounds good to me! So, on today's episode, we are talking about Outfest! 2020 has been a year, and it's been a lot, but because obviously they couldn't have people in theaters... This year, Outfest did a digital screening uh, of all of the festival. If you follow us on Instagram, then, and actually, I think I posted it to our YouTube community page too. But, uh Yeah, right? Ooh! They had a thing where it was open to anyone where you could sign up for $60 and then you had access to watch them for 72 hours. Which was really kind of cool. And And didn't they
1: have, like, an app, too?
0: Yeah, there was an Apple TV app, and so it was, like, very easy to do. And TIFF is doing a similar thing this year, but I don't think it's open to the public as much as, like, Outfest was just, like, come one, come all, you can all subscribe. Which I think is really cool, because it makes a different festival-going experience, and particularly with LGBT films where you can give these films that often don't have an audience a much broader audience. Yeah. Uh, I think it's cool.
1: It's definitely like forward thinking at this time and place with, you know, not being able to leave our houses, et cetera.
0: It was smart. And what's interesting is that they were already planning on doing this. Oh, so well, look at it them. Was, it helped that they were, they were already ahead of the curve. So we posted a bunch of, well, I guess I posted a bunch of v- reviews on yes. Instagram. It, it
1: has been a month. I have not had a second, so Andrew is going to explain and recommend or not recommend of uh, the movies that he watched at Outfest, and I'm excited. Now I get my own, like, curated little festival. Yeah,
0: some of them might be available on Outfest now, Which, for anyone who did the festival, you get a year of Outfest Now, which is their, like, kind of subscription video-on-demand service. Like
1: HBO Max or whatever.
0: Yeah, like one of those. So some of them might be on there. Some of them hopefully will get picked up and have, you know, broader distribution. It's always a tough thing to see what happens at a film festival. Like, what makes it where.
1: This year is even stranger.
0: This year is even stranger. But I do know that one of them that I watched, called Shiva Baby is at Toronto (laughs) as well.
1: It's a silly title, and I like it.
0: It is a silly title, although I will say, I I keep reading it and saying Shiva, baby, but it's like Shiva as in sitting Shiva in the Jewish culture. Of course. Not Shiva, the God, which is confusing because they're spelled the same.
1: Right. Wait, so, oh boy, is it a baby funeral? Or is it like Shiva, baby? I mean, Shiva, baby. (laughs) (laughs)
0: See? We're having a party at the Shiva? It's neither. Mm. Um. So, okay, I mean, we'll just talk about it. This was maybe the most uncomfortable I've been in a movie in a very long time. Oh, no. But, but, in a good way. So the storyline is, there's a young girl, and we meet her...
1: first and foremost, do you recommend?
0: I do recommend. Okay. The idea is that there's a young woman she leaves her sugar daddy's apartment to go meet her parents at a shiva where she then runs into not only the sugar daddy but also her ex-girlfriend great like there's tension there and it's like this antagonistic very jewish girl thing too where it's just like oh well the ex-girlfriend is going to you know medical school But she lied and told the sugar daddy that she was going to medical school and he was helping pay the bills, all sorts of stuff like that. Little jabs of insecurities, right? So that's where like the uncomfortableness comes from. Is just that the entire time you're like, oh god, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh oh no no. You know, it's like a little cringy like that, Mm -hmm. but in like a very veep way. It's funny. And she's so great. The lead actress Rachel Senat is so amazing. She's really great. Her timing and everything, like her comedy, really brings it to a level that makes it fun. Uh-huh. Kind of like Julie Louis Dreyfus, you yeah, know. But like that kind of cringe humor type situation could easily be very uncomfortable, and just that. Right. And instead, it becomes funny and fun while also uncomfortable.
1: Wait, so it is like yeah. Shiva, baby. I
0: guess. I mean, there isn't an actual also, baby
1: is what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> well, there is.
1: Oh, okay.
0: I was trying not to spoil too much.
1: Okay, okay. Well, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued.
0: But also, she's the sugar baby is like the app that she used to meet him. So there's multiple levels. okay.
1: Of it. Okay. Gotcha.
0: I actually really liked it. I would recommend it. Cool. I mean, actually, I will say that I think for the most part, I liked... Everything that I watched.
1: Well, that's good.
0: Another one that I really liked that I think you would love was called Breaking Fast. It's a rom-com. It felt very much like what a Hallmark movie would be like if there was diversity. Love it. It's two guys. One of them is Muslim and he's celebrating Ramadan and he's breaking the fast. And his boyfriend at the time is afraid to come out to his parents and whatever. And they break up. And it's been a year and he's been depressed and whatever. And then he meets this guy and they fall in love over the course of Ramadan. And it's just really cute and sweet and charming and like a good time.
1: Wait, so is it kind of like 40 Days, 40 Nights?
0: (laughs) I mean, a little bit, yes. (laughs)
1: Remember that?
0: Vaguely, yeah.
1: Josh Hartnett and blue haired girl from Night's Tale, whose name... Is yeah. escaping me at the moment.
0: Well, actually, one of the leads, he was in Jingle Around the Clock, which was a Hallmark Christmas movie.
1: Jingle Around the <laughs> Clock? I don't think I saw that one.
0: Elle's plans for a Christmas reunion are thwarted by work. Oh. In oh, so it's like real L's. Alter- no, sorry, not Elves. L as in E L L E.
1: Oh, oh, I see. L's. I thought you said the elves' plans are ruined. By I was like, no, oh no! Sorry. No, no, no. Then I was gonna say, oh, is the elf's name Jingle because it's Jingle around the clock. But anyway, okay. Oh my um, God. But I digress.
0: <laughs> anyway, he was literally in a Hallmark Christmas movie, so it, it had that vibe, Love and that. I wasn't mad at it. So along those lines, another one that I really loved was a German movie mm. called No Hard Feelings, or in German, it's Future July. I don't know what that means. Future no, two?
1: No hard feelings, I would assume.
0: No, I, I don't think so. But anyway, it's a story about two Iranian immigrants in Germany. One is German born. He's a citizen. The other is a refugee. And so it's this story of the differences in their, their struggle of feeling like they fit in. Mm-hmm. You know, one who's German but feels like he's not German enough and also feels like he's not Iranian enough to fit in with the Iranian refugees. So it it was really well done and really beautiful. And I really, really liked it.
1: Fantastic. No hard feelings. Does it make sense by the end of the movie? Is it just a bad translation?
0: (laughs) No, it makes sense in that um, the German born, he goes on dates in Germany with, with a lot of Germans that sometimes have like, oh, I've never hooked up with someone like you before. Or mm-hmm. one of your, you know, like, lots of phrases and and things like that. You know, like, just microaggressions, if not full-on aggressions. He would just say, oh, no hard feelings, was his response to them. It was kind of a representation, I think, of that feeling of not fitting in either place. Got it. So I watched a lot of foreign films, actually. I watched a couple different Brazilian movies. Oh! Which were both really good, both very different. The first one was called Dry Wind, Vento seco,
1: Ooh.
0: which was basically like a, what I wanted the Tom of Finland movie to be.
1: Oh, how fantastic.
0: Yeah, it was gorgeous. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. It like looked like an Almodovar, like just real fantasy piece with like gorgeous lighting neon. It was really cool and very sexually graphic, which I didn't mind, you know. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> it fell a little short in terms of a plot fully cohesing. It was a little bit more of like a a sexy fever dream.
1: Well, that's a that's a genre.
0: It is, you know, like it, that that's its own thing, and that yeah, yeah, yeah. that's okay. And so it it worked as that. I wasn't angry at it, but yeah. I could have used a little bit more plot to, to hold you, it all you together. You tend
1: to you tend to like a plot, so
0: I do, I yeah. do indeed. This was a little bit more of a tone piece type thing.
1: Wait, so were they at like leather bars and stuff, or it was just Tom Finland in? Which, in what way?
0: Well, so, like, there's a character that comes to town, he's, like, all leathery, and rides a motorcycle, and there's this amazing scene of them on a roller coaster. Oh. At, like, a a theme park, in in a thing, and he's, like, and it's very visual and stunning. But, like, the whole idea is that, um, I guess there's, like, a seasonal dry wind that comes, and it... Kind of makes them all go crazy, emotional, and dry. you know it's a metaphor, but sure, it, it was it was good. And in the end, they end up as a throuple. Spoiler alert! So it's great. <gasps>
1: Spoilers.
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much of a throuple it is, as much as you know, they
1: have a three three
0: of them hooking up in the woods, but okay, yeah.
1: <laughs> great. <laughs> Well, you know.
0: So then the other Brazilian movie was called Alice Junior, which was really, really cute. It's not a documentary. It's a narrative. But it's a story of, like, a YouTuber, a trans girl who has, like, a big YouTube channel, was on, like, a, um, Brazil's Next Top Model, you know, whatever, that kind of vibe. And her dad gets, like, relocated for work to the country, rural country of Brazil. You know, move into the conservative small town. right. And right, right. how is she going to... Approach and and deal with the bullies at school, but the editing's really fun. Have you seen those videos where it's like the the fan cams and they've they have like the digital drawn in like neon scribbles and lights and stuff? Have you seen that?
1: Mm, vaguely,
0: the whole movie is done in that style. It makes it really fun and cute and like personal and not too serious. You know, like it doesn't get bogged right, right, down. Right, right. It keeps it fun. But they have, like, really good conversations about her experience. And and her dad is, like, super supportive of her being trained. Like, you know, there's lots of times where people will misgender her and he'll be like, no, my daughter. You know, Mm. so, like, stuff like that. It's just really nice to see. It
1: was, like, a shiny example.
0: Exactly. It was just a lovely little, like, shouldn't it always be like this?
1: How fabulous. What was that one called?
0: Alice Jr. Ah. But in, in Portuguese they say Alice.
1: Elise Junior, very cool.
0: And then, kind of in that vein, another cute one from Australia. Ooh, I know, right? It was called <laughs> Ellie and Abby and Ellie's dead aunt. Okay. Yeah, right. And this That's was like a cute you, one. You
1: and Earl and me and the dying girl. What was that too? dying <laughs> was that girl? Right? It's
0: about a girl Ellie who is like the type A in high school. You know, never breaks the rules. Blah blah blah. But she has a big crush on Abby, and she wants to invite her to prom. And then she gets scared and then her dead aunt's ghost, who also (laughs) was a lesbian.
1: Love this.
0: Appears and is like, I'm here to be your fairy godmother. And it's very silly. And it's, through the course of it, she learns more about her aunt and the struggles that her aunt had coming out in like the smaller town in Australia and how she fought for, for gay rights. And, you know, it was a, it was a whole thing. And it was, sweet and fun and a cute little story it wasn't perfect but i enjoyed it
1: yeah that sounds cute
0: yeah it was you know it was fun plus like australian movies there's just something about it i'm just like they're always more fun
1: the humor is very them and i happen to love it
0: i happen to love it too oh and the um you watched hunt for the wilder people right Uh uh-huh the um cop in that
1: oh yeah is the is the aunt
0: no she's the aunt's lover, ex-lover, oh. and, like, the mom's best friend, and it's, it's really cute. Well, that sounds adorable. So then, one that I had to turn off... Oh! Didn't have to. I decided to turn off. <laughs> it was interesting. It was called Ask Anybody, B-U-D-D-Y, as opposed to, like, anybody. So the concept was that they went through archival footage of, like, over 140 porn films, Okay. And turned them into one giant kind of, like, tone piece montage. And so it kind of goes through these, like, waves of themes where it's like, now here's the cowboy theme. Now here's the leather theme. Now here's the, like... Uh, construction worker, you know, like each kind of like
1: it goes through every member like, of the of the village people.
0: <laughs> I mean, right? But like, yeah, that kind of idea of like, oh, here's all these tropes of these porn movies. Now we've collected them all into. Is it like of throughout clips?
1: the ages or is it all from the same time period?
0: I think it's over a period of a, a few decades that they okay. collected films. But like older, they're all vintage. It's like, oh, okay. you know, 70s porn or whatever.
1: That just sounds like something you'd have playing on at a club in the background.
0: Maybe, although it's weird because it's like what club? It's neither just porn uh, where it's like, oh, this is that kind of club. Right. And it's then also not like the... We stitched all of these together to make some sort of plot device that somehow kind of works. Right. Kind of like it was just so disjointed for me that I was like, well, what exactly is going on? And so after, you know, 25 minutes or so, I was like, well, I get the idea. I don't think I need to watch, you know, 95 minutes of it. Oh, boy. Yeah. It started off as an art piece. And I was like, that makes sense.
1: Oh, like an installation or something.
0: Exactly. And I think... It was obviously, it was in like the, you know, avant-garde section or whatever. It wasn't billed as like a, you know, Netflix is going to pick this up and and run it. So I'm not like angry at it, but I was like, okay, I understand the concept. I think I'm cool. But on the flip side of archival stuff, I watched a documentary that I really loved called P.S. Burn This Letter. It's a really cool story. They found a storage unit that... They went through when this, I think he was an agent in L.A., passed away. And inside were all of these letters that he had saved from the 50s from his friends in New York that were all drag queens. And so the queens would still write him. And, like, they're all written as, like, you know, here's what's going on. Ooh, queen. Ooh, honey. Like, the vernacular was really insane to me of, like, the way that they were talking. Like, a lot of stuff that they were saying In 1952 and 54 could have been in 2020. I know, right? Crazy. But then they're all signed like "Love Daphne" or "Love," you know, "Sophie" or whatever. And so then the documentarians went and tracked down all of these people and talked to them now about what it was like being drag queens in the 50s, and they have photos and all sorts of stuff, and it was really cool and fun, and I, I like, I really loved it.
1: That sounds awesome.
0: It was really great. It was like a confluence of many of my interests. (laughs) They had all of these dresses and stuff that they made. And I was like, yes, bitch, work. It was really great. That's fabulous. Oh, and then another fun movie was called Drummerama. I'm surprised Um,
1: that hasn't already been a movie, honestly. The title. Yeah,
0: seriously. Yeah. Right? I don't know. But so it's about this group of nerdy theater friends who are getting ready to go to college and they're having one last goodbye party, which is a murder mystery party.
1: Um, all um, of these things I love.
0: This had you written all over it. You're taking like, a lot all, of
1: boxes here. Yep.
0: Yeah, except that they are like they're all religious. Oh. Yeah. That's and great so, for them. Well, it's not great for the two gay boys. Oh, great, like, great,
1: great. I mean, do what you um, gotta do, but that's, that's not part <laughs> of my Venn diagram, let's just say that.
0: Right, right, right. No, but so, you know, there's two boys in the group of friends that clearly have chemistry, but have not acted on it, and one of them is more accepting of his own sexuality, and is trying to come out to them all, and... You know, it's just the drama, of course, of all of these theater kids. Everything is super drama-rama over the course of the night. It was really fun and cute, and it was a little slowly paced. Like, it could have been a little tighter, but for the most part, I just really enjoyed it. And it was, like, silly and fun.
1: Cool. I thought you were going to say, and then it turns into an actual murder mystery. I was like, oh boy.
0: Although I would love that. No. I would probably love that too, but no, it's just drama of them fighting about, you know, growing up in college and sexuality and expectations. Yes. But with like lots of fun references to movies and theater and, you know, all of that fun stuff that we love. So I guess I'll talk about a couple shorts that I watched. One was called Meta and it's a high school prom story about a trans guy that is up for prom king. And during the prom, he gets his period. Oh. And so has this like existential crisis and fear of acceptance, etc. And then at the end, spoiler alert, you know, he wins and everyone is really loving and it's just really nice. Well, that's um, nice. Yeah, it was like a warm hug, but like obviously it expresses the, the fears and difficulty of trying to accept yourself, especially at a young age. So I thought it was really sweet and well done. What was that called? Meta. Oh, right. Meta. So he like turns into like a werewolf monster in his own mind.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, getting your period can feel like a full moon nightmare sometimes. So I get it. There you go. (laughs) I get the metaphor. I get it.
0: Another shirt that I watched was uh, called In France, Michel is a Man's Name.
1: That's the whole title?
0: That's the whole title. Okay, great. Also really sweet. It's about a trans man that goes back home and visits his parents and coming to terms of acceptance with his father, who says, you know, in France, Michel is a man's name. Oh, got it. Because his mom is still calling him Michel instead of Michael. Mm-hmm. So it was like a little bit of a, you know, kind of let's build this bridge. Right. But it, that line is said... In a strip club oh. that the dad takes him to as like, a well, you're a man now, so we're going to bond over man things. And oh. I was like, this is uncomfortable. Yikes. In some ways, it was a nice example of like a dad trying to reach out and be like, you know, I support and accept you. As a man. Right. But it was also like, but you still don't get it, dude. Like, you're not really understanding the conversation at a whole. But at least you're trying and we can start from there. You know, like that was kind of the... Sure, sure. We'll work on it. Baby steps. And then the last short that I watched was called How to Say I Love You at Night. So many long
1: titles for these shorts.
0: Yeah, very, very long titles for short, short films. This one was... I don't know. So it's like a a, a grinder hookup gone awry mm-hmm. where I, I was kind of confusing in all honesty. He like walks into his own apartment and the grinder hookup is already there. Huh. And is like, hey, Adam, or whatever his name was, like, oh, someone let me in. So here I am. In the dark in your living room. Oh no. And I'm like, well, that's a red flag. Yeah. Please get out immediately. And if not, I'm calling the cops. Like, that's, it was like just red flag after red flag. And it was like, ooh, this is a beautiful knife. And I'm like, that's when you say, get out of my apartment immediately. Yeah, yeah, Or yeah, yeah. I will call the cops. Like, you have 911 already dialed on your phone. Like, what's happening? Nah. <laughs> it was just like a lot of those types of circumstances where he's just like, I'm not leaving. No. I'm not leaving. And I'm like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Oh, no. And then he, the guy runs away and then he chases after him with his jacket that he left. And I'm like, dude, who cares? He like literally might have murdered you. This is really uncomfortable and weird. Like, (laughs) let's, let's not do this. You know, so it was interesting, but I was like, that seems like a nightmare. Literally.
1: I mean, wasn't that the point? I guess so. Right. How do
0: you say I love you at night? It's by being a creepy stalker, I guess. I don't know.
1: (laughs) I mean, it seems like a horror movie or something.
0: I mean, it felt like it to me. Sure. You know, I mean, at the same time, like, there's been those weird hookups. You, like, there's always one where you're like, this is weird.
1: But it wasn't that and over time, tone. It was like, ah.
0: Well, it was that tone where it's oh. like, it was basically like, if you took that to its furthest extent. Where it's like, you know, over time you learn where you're just like, I'm not feeling this. I think we should stop. We're like, "Mm, I think it's time for you to leave. Yeah. But this was like, you know, well, let's just ratchet it up a little bit further. And at what point does he say, you need to leave or I'm calling the cops. And for me, it was like five minutes longer than I would have lasted.
1: Got it. Got it. Got it.
0: But that's kind of interesting too, I guess, right? Of like that idea of, well, what will it take?
1: If it was making a comment on, you know, politeness. I mean, there's always that thing about... You know, women getting murdered because they were too polite to say something.
0: Right. It is. It is a little bit like that. So parts. you know, that's
1: terrifying in its own way. Sure. Yeah.
0: It was interesting. It just made me cringe the entire time.
1: Well, there you go. At least it was short, huh?
0: Yes. Exactly. There you go. So then there were two others that I watched. One was called Minion. Uh huh. Not like Minions, the little. Yeah, yeah. No. But oh no. why Oh yeah. Shut up. Oh, no really?
1: way. That Minion with the red thong, you know, was pretty scandalous, but...
0: Oh my god, right? Ooh, yeah. Could you imagine if Universal was just like, oh, we're making an LGBT spinoff of the red thong gay Minion?
1: (laughs) I mean, it would never happen, but it would be hilarious.
0: It would never happen, but I I think it would be probably funny. But yeah, no, this is M-I-N-Y-A-N. It's about a 17-year-old Russian Jewish boy who's coming of age in Brooklyn in the 80s and... He's trying to discover his sexuality. Meanwhile, he's living with his grandfather. They're having trouble finding him a place to live. Mm-hmm. But they get him in to live in this kind of um, Jewish like temple building. But then they're both part of what's called a minion, which is a collective of men in the Jewish faith, you have to have 13 of them. That's like part of the way that they get in is that the two of them can give them the minion that they need to practice. What's kind of cool is that he then meets these older gays. They're not out, but like it's pretty obvious. Sure. That live in the building. Meanwhile, he's going out in the town and, and it's it was a long meandering tone, poem, film. Well, I was going to say um,
1: coming out and coming of age in New York in the eighties is a rough that's a rough time period yes well so. and there's of
0: course a whole scene with he like he kind of hooks up and falls in love with this bartender from a gay bar and then there's like a whole scene where there's all of these names on the bartender's kitchen mm. wall, and you know it's like the list of people that got sick and then or died, and so it's like you know right. they, they touch on it obviously, yeah and obviously he's seventeen and unaware because he doesn't really even know much about the gay culture at all at this point right but balancing a strict religious you know jewish upbringing with a new burgeoning sexuality in the midst of aids in new york city a lot going on
1: yeah minefield
0: yeah it was good it was not my favorite but i liked it a lot it was very interesting Cool. good performances his grandfather is played by ron rifkin
1: Ah, fun
0: he was fine in it but yeah. He's um, always... I
1: always think yeah, of him as a bad guy because of uh, Alias, but...
0: Oh, sure. I always think of him as Saul from Brothers and Sisters.
1: <laughs> Wasn't He was kind of a bad guy in that too, though.
0: Kind of. A little bit, but also like a grandpa e. So this yeah, was yeah, yeah. very similar to that. And then the lead is Sam Levine, who was in The Inheritance play, which is that two-part yeah. play in New York that I told you I saw that I didn't like. He was good.
1: It's uh, a... a a lob. It was like a soft recommend. If that sounds interesting to you. Yeah, if go that for sounds it.
0: interesting to you, then absolutely go for it. If you're like, eh, I'm cool, then you're cool. Cool. The last one was actually the first one that I watched called Cicada. Oh, um, like the bug. Like the bug. It was good. So it's a story about a, a young man, I guess, who has this kind of flashback and triggering of PTSD, of being molested as a child. Okay. And there's this, like, background news footage of Jerry Sandusky coverage, right? And so that's kind of what's triggering him, or at least we think. What would have been nice is that, like, and it's there in the background, at the very end he tells his mom about it. And they're sitting on the porch at his childhood home, and there's these cicadas that they figured out like they, they come back every 17 years and the last time they were around was when he got molested. I had wished they had done more with that kind of being the trigger as opposed to like the Sandusky news footage. Maybe they did and it just was a little bit more subtle than I would have liked. you know, right. I guess obviously like I, I put two and two together, so they did. It was good. So it's about him meeting another boy who has his own PTSD. And, and then kind of having a relationship and, and processing their pain together, uh-huh. which was nice. It's mostly successful.
1: All right. I mean, it sounds like a bummer, but, you know, nice.
0: It's, yeah, it's, it's a little heavy. So it's not like, oh, what a fun, cute thing. But like it does a pretty good job of, of telling a story that's important to tell. So, yes. you know, I wouldn't not recommend it. But obviously, if you're like not in the mood for something heavy, don't watch it right now.
1: Right. Yes. I am generally having to watch nice things at the moment.
0: Yes. Well, I mean, you know, there were so many movies, like, I mean, I watched quite a few, but there were so many more that I didn't even get a chance to watch. And a lot of them I just had to be like, I bet you that's really good and really powerful, but I'm going to go for this lesbian promposal movie from Australia <laughs> instead.
1: Yeah, it's... It's tough to watch something heavy these days, I think, Um, at least for me.
0: Me too. That's just where I'm at. So, you know, what was nice was that there were a bunch of those. And it's almost rare to come across a lot of these kinds of movies, like rom-commy type stuff as it is. Right. And so the fact that there were quite a few really fun and cute romances, romantic comedies that were LGBTQ, I really appreciated that.
1: It was a nice curation of all the things that, you, yes. you know, it was like, that's so fun and easy that it's in that app too.
0: Absolutely. So I think they did a really good job and I had a lot of fun.
1: Fabulous. Well, can people still sign uh, up for it? Yeah.
0: So you can still sign up for Outfest now, which is their subscription service. And right. I think they have like a rotating set of content that will come and go, which is kind of fun because then, you know, you kind of keep checking back in and see, oh, what's new now? Different shorts, different features, different yeah. kind of documentaries or... They'll do, like, um, not necessarily just Q&A kind of stuff, but, like, uh, you know, talking head, you know, um, interview type things. Oh, All yeah. that kind of stuff. They just sent me an email of like, well, so the good news, OutFest Now, which powered the festival, is just getting started. Oh. We'll be programming outstanding, transformative LGBTQ plus stories all year round, and you have access to it all. There are some great films and content live now, and a whole lot more coming when we officially launch in early October. Every OutFest Now subscription and OutFest membership enables us to spread OutFest's mission to elevate queer and trans cinema further, create more visibility for every corner of our community, and bring about big social change. Online and in person. Well, so that's fantastic.
1: Go. Well, there you go. We answered our question. Thank you, Radfest.
0: <laughs> exactly. So I was. It was overall. I was very impressed. It was very exciting. There's the app. You can sign up, and there'll be more things to come. October is very close, and/or already past us, depending on when this podcast comes out. Oh boy. So- That's true. (laughs) Lots to look forward to.
1: Yes. Well, cheers. Thanks for walking me through that. I feel like I got some good uh, ones to put at the top of the list. And we'll see you for the next episode of Let's Have a Kiki. Cheers. Cheers.